it's been like four years or so since I've been here. Um, what COVID? <laughs> this is like there's a before and then and then here we are. Um, it's really great uh, to be with you. Um, you know, some of the people I've known for a while here, um, I'm just amazed that y'all haven't gotten older. <laughs> it's, it's just incredible. I haven't changed my prescription in four <laughs> years. But this is just, this is one of the most unique churches I've ever had the privilege to be part of. It's, and it's not like unique, like, oh, it's really weird, and not like anybody. Th there's just such a unique thing. Um, there's, you know, tradition, there's uh, conservative Bible teaching, but there's such a creative, innovative thing. Um, you know, there's some people who are older than me, and that's, that's what makes you old. <laughs> and then the ones who are younger than me, those are the next generation. Um, but there isn't that huge split. There's such a connection. It, it's such an interesting place, and I love coming here. I, I not only love to come serve, but every time I come, come here, I, 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 go, I go away just a little better. You know, not like I was miserable before I got here, <laughs> but there's something about being with you that refreshes me. So thank you for whatever it is you're doing, um, keep doing it. I have, a, I have a portion of scripture that I want to eventually get to. And I'm letting you know, I'm not saying that this is going to hurt, but it will challenge you. And here's why. Um, when I started encountering this scripture, perhaps in a deeper way, um, it was challenging to me. And I hate, you know, being miserable all by myself. Yeah, <laughs> I just want to invite you in to experiencing uh, a challenge from the Lord. So uh, I'm going to pray just so I can buy time. <laughs> Lord Jesus, I thank you for who you are, what you've done, and what you're doing. Mm. But right now, I thank you that you sent us the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, not only are you amongst us, but for those of us who are part of the family of God, Holy Spirit, you dwell in us. The very Spirit of God dwelling in us, that, just, that blows our mind. Just being in your presence is awesome. But you do more than just show up. Holy Spirit, I ask, since you're the one that leads us into all truth, you're the one that convicts, you're the one that leads and guides, you're the one who communicates the heart and mind of, of Jesus, Holy, Holy Spirit, I ask that you do what only you can do. Bring us truth in a way that doesn't simply inform. Bring us truth in a way that transforms us. Holy Spirit, would you do this for our sake? Do it for the sake of the people that we say we love. And do it for the sake of your name that we carry with us wherever we go. Amen. Uh, you don't have to look it up. Um, but in Matthew 11, it starts off with Jesus He's, he's just having a meeting with his disciples, and he's, um, he's instructing them. And, uh, then, and then he goes, okay, you got your instructions, you got your directions, go. Then, he, and, and then what he decides to do is he's going to go teach and preach 
um, in the cities of Galilee. This is really interesting. Jesus is speaking to a, a geographic area. Um, he's speaking to groups of people, um, not simply individuals. So he, he's on his tour, his preaching and teaching tour in the cities of Galilee. And <coughs> Jesus, you know, he's kind, he's loving, he's merciful. But I really think that if New Jersey had been invented around the time of Jesus, I think Jesus should have been born in New Jersey. I mean, because yeah, Northeast people, you know, we're not blunt, right? We're just clear, <laughs> right? And, uh, and when we challenge, most of us, we challenge for other people's perceived good, right? So Jesus, you know, he, he, he's on a mission. He's leading a movement. And you'd figure that, you know, he's, the hordes are coming, and he's going to just bless them, and he's going to say all these really cool things. But instead, he goes New Jersey on them. He starts challenging them. And just to, to, to distill it to the essential thing, he's going, y'all are not getting the message. You're hearing the message. I've sent disciples. I've sent John the Baptist. But you're not getting the message. You think you do. You think you're getting the message. But you're not. Now remember, Jesus is talking to not a, a, a one-dimensional crowd. There are crowds of people. Some have been you know, um, religious for years. Some of them are not religious. Some of them are broken. They've made foolish decisions. Some of them have been oppressed. Some have been oppressors. Um, some are rich. Some are poor. There's just a cross-section of humanity, but there's a real overlay of religion. Okay? Yeah, I believe in God. Or you know, I'm, I'm trying really hard to be good. You know, that kind of thing. He's talking to all of them, and they're sincere. Why? Because they're coming. They, they, want, they, want, they want to hear what Jesus has to say. They're sincere. But he goes, listen, you're not getting the message. Uh, the scripture says, look, we played the flute for you, but you're not dancing. Or we sang a dirge, but you're not listening. Like, we're sharing stuff, and you go, cool. What's the next thing? He started rebuking whole cities. He's saying, there are cities where the miracles I did in them, you know, it would just blow, everybody would go nuts. The, the, the miracles that went on in these cities, it transformed people, transformed families, it transformed communities, it, because it just demonstrates, but, but here, well, we got another miracle. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? Someone got healed. Hallelujah, our God heals. I'm, I'm adding a little. But that's what's going on. He's going, he's not mad at him, but he's after something, you'll see. And he, he just goes, you're not getting the message. It's, it's not connecting. All right? And so can you imagine getting all excited to watch Jesus and you think that, you know, you're, you're spiritually smart enough? Say, I'm going to listen to Jesus. And Jesus goes, welcome. You're not getting the message. Shocked. And then Jesus stops in the middle of this challenging diatribe and then he prays. Have you ever met really weird people? Uh, you got, do you guys have Walmart here? No. Okay, go to Walmart. 
No, no. Oh, you guys have seen that. Yeah. I can't believe you would go to the internet. People of Walmart. They're aliens. Anyway. No, go to Walmart and, you know, meet someone. And they're starting talking. And all of a sudden they go, yes, Lord. And they start praying. You know, you're just having, having a conversation with them. And they just stop and start praying. You'd go, whoa. You start looking around. Well, Jesus, is, he's challenging them. And then he just stops and he prays. <coughs> Verse 25, he goes, he turns, he goes, Father, you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and you revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was well-pleasing in your sight. Think of what he's saying. He's going, you're not getting the message. And then he goes, Father, they think they know things, but they really don't know it the way they should, and this is by your design. Now, wouldn't that get your attention? You go, wait a second, you rebuked us for not getting it, and then you're saying it was the Father's will that we don't get it. Welcome to the kingdom. Anyway. And then Jesus' prayer goes to the next level. All things have been entrusted to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Basically, Jesus is saying, you haven't got the message. Now I'm talking to you. I'm not sending messengers. Here I am. And I'm, I'm going to speak to you directly, okay? He has their attention. Can you imagine being part of a, a group, a crowd, and you're excited about God, and you think you know stuff, and you probably do, and then Jesus just shows up and goes, look, you're not really getting what I'm trying to say or what other people are trying to say, so I'm going to show up and I'm going to talk to you. Can you imagine actually being a part of a crowd like that? Actually, Yes. Jesus is speaking to every one of us right now. He's not mad. You'll see. He is not mad. But he's going to get very specific with each of our hearts. And when I say our, I mean our. Okay? So how does he start speaking? He brings up, he starts speaking Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. We could just put that up. Now this is one of my favorite scriptures especially when it comes to altar calls. This is like the go-to for an altar call. You're having a tough time, life is tough and all. Here's a scripture for you all. And everybody goes, yes, and you come up and God meets you. I'm, I'm not making fun of this. This is a powerful scripture. But there's more going on in this scripture than at least I've been aware of until relatively recently. This is what Jesus says. He's talking to this group and he's got their attention now. And he goes, come to me, all you who labor and are heavily burdened, and I will give him rest. I will give you rest. Think about it. He's talking to these people. They, they have, they're, they're drawing. They have so many resources for truth and experience and how to live their life. It's a cross-section of everything. And he's basically looking at them going, hey, listen, you're not getting the message you're burdened. Some of you know you're burdened. Some of you don't know you're burdened. But you're all weary. You're all heavy laden. You're all burdened. Come to this latest, greatest teaching. Or come to the five steps to emotional. It doesn't do that. He goes, come to me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. 
and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In the midst of this cross-section of humanity, Jesus sitting there going, all, the fact that you're not getting it, the fact you have issues, and the fact that your soul really hasn't experienced the kind of peace and rest that I have for you. I know the answer. First step, come to me. It's very personal. So I'm going to just break this down a little bit. Jesus says, come to me. I have three daughters. When they were younger, you know, when they do something wrong, depending on who the daughter is and the personality, what you do is they know the rule, they know the expectation, but sometimes you go, uh, say, um, wouldn't it be a good time for you to clean your room? Right? Now, a well-instructed child knows that that's not simply an invitation. It is a disguised order. It's a command, okay? Um, it's very kind, it's very gentle, but it's sort of an invitation slash command all together. That's what Jesus is doing. He goes, hey, you're all a mess. You haven't gotten the message. I love you. Come to me. It's not simply an invitation. There's a do it. Do it. He probably smiled. He went, do it. <laughs> you know, to make the altar call pleasant. But there's something, no, but there's something that he goes, come to me. It's a command from God the Son. Come to me. Yet, there's a whole bunch of things I would love to fix, but the, the most important thing, you come to me first. And then he says, all you who labor and are heavy, heavily burdened, gosh, who isn't like this in some way or another? There's so all the people there, some are just confused. Some are discouraged. Some of them are stuck in their sin, and they're trying to justify their sin. Some of them are stuck in their sin, and they're going, I hate this, but I'm stuck in my sin. I can't get out. There are people just conflicted. Who's right? You know, um, governmental stuff, worldwide stuff, pandemic stuff. There's a whole lot of things that can weigh us down, and it can weigh us down for so long we forget that we're weighed down. We are managing stuff. We, we know we have layers of stuff, but we're just managing and bullying through. Some of us are trying real hard to be good. You know, when you try really, 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 really hard to be good, you're going to find that after a while you're not that good at it, Okay? And so either you beat yourself up or because you're betterer than other people, you pick on other people. That's what religious people do. And, and that's a burden. That's a burden. A lot of people carrying just pain, unforgiveness, anger. All these things are burdens to the human soul. Come to me, any of you who have burdens on your soul. And then Jesus says, and I will give you rest. I am not a Greek scholar, but I read some books written by people who are. And that word rest, it's really interesting. It's like, a, come to me before we figure out your issues. I'm not going to beat you up 
for why you're carrying what you're carrying. I'm not even going to rebuke you for your ignorance. I'm not going to do that. Come to me and I will give you rest. And that word actually means I'll give you a breather. I'll give you a time of refreshing. We'll sort out things later, but just come to me and I will give you rest. Where rest that comes from the Holy Spirit is like a commodity. There's many reasons why we come to church on Sunday, right? One of them is, and we all know it, out there is life. Here, for maybe a couple hours, rest. Yes, unless you have kids that you want to duct tape. And anyway, <laughs> no, that's always hard. Um, don't do the duct tape. I'm, God's not happy with it, and neither is the government. Uh, <laughs> So don't do it. It was just a metaphor. In case this is recorded, you know, it's just a metaphor. Only kidding. Jesus, help me. And I will give you rest. I will give you a refreshing. I will bring you a relief. I will bring you a breather where you can catch your breath and be refreshed. Sometimes we just need a healing. Sometimes we need God to just set us free from something. That just come to me and by my spirit, I'll do stuff for you just so you can, you love me, you are powerful, you may not be answering all my questions, but I know you're real. And when, it, David, you know, David when, you know, he was serving King Saul, he's trying his best, you know, to beat up the enemy so Saul's succe uh, successful. He was so successful in making Saul su successful, I can't ever say that sentence again. Um, he was so successful that Saul got really mad at him and insecure going, this boy is more successful than me. He started throwing. Have you ever just really served really hard for someone and then they turn on you? They just turn on you. Some of you are coming from church backgrounds like that. You just get turned on you. What do you do? You go run into a cave of some sort. That's what David did. And what was really interesting, God met David in the cave of Agilom. He, he, he met, the, he met uh, David and the 400 other losers uh, in a stronghold. I mean, he met them. He gave them rest. He gave David just calm yourself until it was time that you know, God sent a prophet and go, hey, uh, come out of the stronghold. Come out of your place of safety and security because if you stay in your place of safety and security, you'll be miserable. Because you know God has more for you outside of that stronghold than he has for you in there. The, 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 the stronghold is a place where you go just to chill, catch your breath, reorient, reset. And then God says, okay, it's time for you to go out and move on to your destiny. Jesus is going, all your stuff, come to me. I'll be your cave of Agilum. I will be, I will give you rest. Now, a lot of people think that what follows is simply an elaboration of come to me and I'll give you rest. And I, I don't think that's true. Many times Jesus, he spoke in a very condensed way. One sentence can mean a lot. Next sentence means enough. Third one means something not completely different, but significantly different. He says, I will give you rest. And then the next move he says is, 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. This is not simply an extension of come to me and I'll give you rest. It's, it's another invitation <laughs> slash command. Jesus is going, hey, come to me. I'm the guy. I'll settle you down. I'll help you clear. I'll minister to you unconditionally. I'll love you. I'll do that. And then take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, back, back in those days, the yoke, the word yoke, it could speak of two different illustrations. I'll give you the first one. Back in the day, you know, they, they had oxen. You know, they would, they would plow. And how they trained up young oxen, young muscular oxen, is they teamed the young oxen with an older oxen. Equally as strong, but much more experienced. Um, sort of broken, but not enslaved. I mean, the older oxen just knew how to, to plow and to respond, um, not to the master's whip, but to the master's direction. And so the younger ox, he gets yoked with the older one. Imagine being a young ox. Only in church can you get a thought experiment like that. Imagine being the young ox. And you get in there, and you see this big old ox, and you go, all right, let's go. And so long as you are going where the older ox is going, at the speed that the older ox is going, it's a comfortable ride. But since you're a young ox, you're going to go, you know, you, you just... If you were a young ox, that's what you would do. You know, before you put on that yoke, you were free to be a carefree oxen. Just. <laughs> but you put the yoke on, and it's like, yeah, even though you were born to plow, even though you were born to carry heavy things, the way to, to experience why you were born is to wear a yoke that was uncomfortable. So when Jesus is going, you know, come to me and take my yoke upon you, their, their natural human reaction is going, mm? Mm? Also, in that culture, back in those days, if you were not an old boy, if you were a young man, okay? Uh, they didn't have video games there, you know, but <laughs> after bar mitzvah, you know, age 14, you can't be doing that, all right? Because um, you're a young man, you're not an old boy. So, the young man, he said, how do I go to the next level of maturity and respectability and effectiveness as a young adult? And one of the things he would do is he would, uh, he, you know, look in the synagogue, and they had a couple rabbis, and he'd try to connect with one of the rabbis. So I like that rabbi. And how it actually happened, it, it varies from rabbi to rabbi, rabbi, but there's, you know, the, the young man would express an interest. And then the older rabbi goes, oh, we'll think, yeah, we'll see about it. We'll talk, you know. And it's like an interview process. And then after a while, the, the rabbi would go, okay, okay, I'll be your rabbi. Here what was, what, what was going on. When you were applying <laughs> to, 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 to be under a rabbi, there were a number of things you knew what you were doing. One is, when you connect up with him, you're there to serve him. But also, you're, 
he was saying, I want to sit under your teaching. And, you know, rabbinical teaching, just like biblical teaching, has a lot to do with how do you think, how do you act, how do you feel, how do you manage your emotions, and how do you see things. And so the, the young man's going, Rabbi, teach me, not all at once, but teach me what to do, how to behave, how to live. Teach me how to think, how to see things. Teach me how to manage my emotions, how to feel. Would you, would you teach me? And he wasn't there just like an in-person Google, like getting information. There was the sense that, Rabbi, I want you to teach me all this stuff. And my expectation is that when your teaching comes in conflict with my best ideas, your teaching wins. Because you're the rabbi, I'm not, right? That your teaching has authority. So when Jesus goes, look, I love you all. You're not getting the message, but I love you. Come, I'll minister to you. And while you're experiencing a breather, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Everyone knew what he was talking about. He, he's basically saying, hey, who's your rabbi? Who's your rabbi? Do you like godly teaching so long as it doesn't conflict with your culture? Do you like godly teaching so long as it doesn't conflict with your lived past? Do you embrace what scripture says um, so long as it doesn't offend you? Or you, you know what I'm saying? Jesus is sitting there going, here's the solution. Come to me and I'll love you and I'll minister to you. But wait, there's more. Come to me. Take my yoke upon you. Notice, Jesus does not go around making people take his yoke. It's an invitation slash command. Here's the funny thing. Like the crowd, we all have many yokes. It could be religion. It could be the world. It could be, I'm not saying our own desires are evil, but, you know, some of our, our passions, our desires might not be part of God's plan. Um, our opinions, our feelings, especially our sincere ones. Oh my gosh. This is such a generous church, so you know I'm not dinging anybody. I remember when I start, started following God. Oh man, I was doing fine until that uh, tithing thing. Oh my God. I remember the guy was mentoring. I go, wait a second, that's my money. And he just goes, no, you're already wrong. <laughs> you know that money he gave it to you and he's going to see what you're going to do with it. Oh, man. Have you ever had that? Where, where the clear teaching of Scripture conflicts with your very best ideas and it conflicts with how you were raised and it conflicts with your culture and you've got to decide who's God. So we have many, many, many yokes and Jesus is sitting there going, here's the solution. The reason you're just sort of unstable and things are messy is you got a whole bunch of yokes. And at least according to Scripture, yeah, you can only wear one yoke at a time. It's hard. You, know, you, can, you can serve the world. You can serve money or you can serve Jesus. It's hard to be double yoked. I know some of you are going, that's a dad joke about eggs. No. <laughs> Thank you for getting that. And really, th th this is not a small thing. Um, being unevenly yoked 
many of us think, well, you know, if you're going to get married, right, if you're following God and the other one's not, don't marry him, right? But it goes so much farther than that. Look, the worldly way of doing things and the kingdom way of doing things, at least according to 1 Corinthians, it says, look, there's no partnership that you can't cut a mutual non-aggression pact between, between what the world teaches us and, and what Jesus does. There's the kingdom of God and there's a kingdom of darkness and there really is a chasm between the two. So Jesus says, take my yoke. Let me be your rabbi. Now, th- um, go back to the ox. Have you ever noticed when you decide to give your life to Jesus and he starts leading you and guiding, guiding you, have you ever noticed it's like, oh gosh, this is hard. Forgive my enemies? Oh, I was trying to figure out where to bury the bodies. I mean, <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh Jesus, I love you. I'm following you all the ways of my life. I serve you. Glory, hallelujah. And then what? Forgive my enemies? What? Turn my computer off before I get sucked in? What? Do you know what I'm saying? sort of hard. To take Jesus' yoke is to choose to serve him and be submitted to him in all things. Jesus will not require of us to be submitted to him in all things all at once. Jesus usually says, okay, I want you to do this, and you go, I don't want to. But you get in there, and then he teaches you how to live that way. Next. So don't get all religious. Oh, I don't want to put the yoke of Jesus because I'm going to fail all the time. That's not how Jesus leads. When you have his yoke, guess what? It may be a little difficult, but stick with it and you'll see some results. I'm going to talk about that. But Jesus is, I'm going to get some people mad at me, but I'm your opportunity to walk in love. Good. (laughs) I am your test. There's an exclusivity when Jesus goes, it's good to get information. You know, history is good. and you know, It's good to read a whole bunch of books. But when it comes to what is authoritative truth, Jesus goes, you've got to learn that from me. You've got to learn that from me. You can get information, but teaching, got to get it from me on how to live, how to think, how to act, how to see things. And it's a lifelong process. If you ever get to the place where you go, I've passed all the tests. I'm acting perfectly. I'm thinking perfectly. My heart's right. Oh, this is great. Rejoice, because you're in heaven. (laughs) Until then, there's always something. Okay? So just relax. Don't get religious here. I'll try really hard to, to do everything right. Don't do that. I mean, remember, Jesus is in charge of your sanctification. Not you. Not you. Anyway, here are some reactions people have to the the idea that Jesus goes, wherever you are in your life, come to me and I'll meet you. And then take my yoke and learn from me. There's such an exclusivity. Uh, But not only that, it's offensive. A lot of people are going, excuse me? Where's the freedom? I mean, it's a little constricting, you know? The idea of going, now, what happens to my freedom of thought? Don't I get to do what I want to do? I mean, isn't Jesus here to help me live my best life? I mean, for crying out loud, if, if what he has to say 
It's something I agree with. Yeah, we can, we can be yoked together. The sense of being restricted, if you try to compare it to other yokes, you'll find that every yoke, every teaching, every resource of quote-unquote knowledge, it'll be restrictive. We're going to obey one source or another. We will yield to our own personal reflection, our past, our culture, or, you know, or, or scriptures, we understand it, but we'll, we'll obey. Scripture says we're enslaved. We are slaves to the one we obey. The freedom that a human being screams for is not the freedom that says, I can do whatever I want without consequences. I can recreate myself. I can do anything I want. All I have to do is will it, right? And, you know, like, I, I, get, to, I get to be a, an ostrich today, you know? That's not freedom. Because the person who's doing that, they're enslaved to the idea that they're in charge of their life. We're going to be enslaved to something. The only enslavement that brings the kind of freedom that our heart screams for is following the real Jesus. I mean, Jesus said that. He said, look, take my teaching, John 8. Take my teaching, wrestle with it. Or in the southern United States, wrestle with it. And wrestle with it and put it into practice. It may be hard. Put it into my practice. Then you'll be my disciple. Then you will know. Then you will experience the truth. And that truth will set you free. There's something about wrestling with what God actually says and putting into practice. And after a while you go, oh, this is what freedom feels like. Here's another reaction. You know, some of you know I used to be a, a philosophy professor. Right? I'm recovering. <laughs> <laughs> no, really. Yeah, I think I'm still pretty smart. I, I mean, I, I am. Um, no, really I am. Please believe me. No, I'm, I'm still pretty smart. But after a while, you know, when you, when you meet God, you go, ah, I'm not that smart. <laughs> like maybe he's got a few things on me. But there, there was a time when I used to buy into the thing that, well, c when I was unsaved philosopher, you know, Christianity, ah, they're just brainwashers. Trying to brainwash people. You know, the world's really good at this. You know, did you know that Christians, we're the danger to the world because we're brainwashers. In any case, um, after I got uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit, God started using me. I don't know why, but I did. And on, on a university campus for a whole week, I did revival meetings in the evening in the science auditorium. Crazy. Neil Tilke set that up for me. And, uh, man, I'm moving and shaking. And I did not know at all what I was doing. I had notes. I spoke, and then God did stuff. And I acted as if I'd already been there. But meanwhile, I'm going, oh, Toto, we're not in Kansas anymore. What is going on here? God was moving. In the middle of the week, um, I had to go to the bank because I ran out of cash. And this is during that time, long, long time ago, when people used cash. And I'm waiting in the bank. I'm going to make a withdrawal. And uh, this lady comes up to me. She's mad. She was mad. At the time, she was older than me. And uh, she goes, are you that Goodman guy? And I go, yeah, who's asking? 
are you that guy doing those revivals? And I go, well, yeah. And uh, I had absolutely no situational awareness. It hadn't occurred to me that she was really mad. She goes, well, my daughter's been going to that. And I just went, oh, great, praise God. <laughs> Bad move. Bad move, right? And she goes, what do you mean, praise God? I don't like that one. All you're doing is brainwashing them. Now, I was young enough in ministry where I hadn't heard that one. I hadn't heard it. And I'm, I'm back on my emotional heels. And I'm going, God, what do I say to that? I mean, do, do I just punch her out? I mean, just, <laughs> no, I mean, she's trying to pick a fight. I don't know. And uh, all of a sudden, God just gave me an idea. And this is what came out of my mouth. I go, you're right. You're right. That's exactly what I'm doing. But the issue is not whether you're brainwashed. The issue is what do you wash your brain with? Like, what's your yoke? Now, if I'd only stopped right there. <laughs> but I had to go, and what do you wash your brain with? <laughs> I won the battle, lost the war on that one. I mean, think about this. Well, yeah, Christianity you know, is so, so brainwashing and all that sort of stuff. Let's think about that. You can get your brainwashed with your own lived experience, your own opinions, or your culture, or the latest fad, or scripture as illuminated by the Spirit of God. Like, pick your cleanser. Which one will bring life? Now, there are people who hear this, I'll take Jesus' yoke and learn from him. They go, yes, yes, I just follow Jesus. There is this movement, Red Letter Christianity, and I love all the red letters. But there's a, it's, it's really subtle. It goes like, a, well, I just follow Jesus, and you know, Jesus is love, and love, 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 Jesus, Jesus, love, Jesus, Jesus, love. And I, I'm not really, I am making fun of it, but <laughs> there's something about the, the, the Jesus, I, I follow Jesus. Many times people go, oh, I just follow Jesus, the Jesus of Gospels, you know, maybe the book of Acts. That, I, I'm into that, but that Old Testament, as we all know, is old. I only follow the words of Jesus. Never mind Jesus helped write the Old Testament. He also refers to it. He also says the Old Testament talks about him. Never mind that. And then the New Testament, people go, well, you know, it was written, it was written by, you know, a single Jewish guy who really old-fashioned, you know, about men and women and what marriage should look like and, you know, you know wives and husbands and all that. Yeah, uh, th that's just not my cup of tea. I've evolved. That, that was the knowledge that God had then. But, you know, we have better ideas than what God expressed back in those old New Testament letters. I just follow Jesus. Just think that one through. Just think that one through. Actually, Jesus is sitting there going, you know the stuff that Paul wrote? I agree. Yep. My spirit, my spirit. And I go, write that stuff. It's just an incredible thing that, that the scripture has incredible truth from Genesis to Revelation. Now, it doesn't mean that we're going to agree what the clear teaching of scripture is on all things. There's a lot of disagreement but the issue is, where do you start? 
Do you start with the idea that whatever it is that's in Scripture, once we find out what God wants it to mean for us, right, that'll have authority. Instead of saying, Let, here, here's Scripture, and we got all these theories, we'll see if Scripture fits this, and if it doesn't, we feel justified to jettison Scripture. Jesus does not give us that option. Come to me, I'll give you rest, take my yoke, and learn from me. It's sort of an exclusive thing. Now, this is a jump I'm going to make. I think, no, I'm pretty sure this is one of the things that Jesus was after. He goes, let, he's trying to sweeten the pot. He goes, take my yoke upon you, learn from me. And then he goes, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Think of this. Let's say I, well, you would say yes. Uh, brother, I come up to you and I got this little yoke, right? You know, wooden yoke. And I'm wearing it. I go, hey, man, would you get in this? Would you get in this and just submit your life, you know, to my leading, right? And really, I'm, I'm, I'm humble and I'm gentle. You would go, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not humble. Yeah, I'm, you're pointing to you. Yeah, th that's not humble. And gentle? Gentle is not getting someone in a woodstock and dragging them all around. That's not gentle. That, that, that's the natural reaction. You go, you want me to come to you, you be my rabbi, and it's exclusive, and then you want to tell me you are humble uh, and you're gentle? I don't think so. Have you ever struggled with what God said and you stick with it? And then when it finally becomes part of you, you go, oh my gosh, how could I have lived the other way? Oh my gosh, he was right all along. This is life. The other way, even though it's familiar, it was death. I remember when I had PCs, okay? And that's all I knew. And it was your fault. That's right, because we went... Have you, have you thought of an apple? I go, no, never. I love the drop-downs and the linear and all this sort of stuff. No, come in, try it out. And then we, we went, and I'm starting to play with this, and it's an addiction. But yeah, and I go, okay, I'll do it. So I got, I got an apple. It hadn't occurred to me there was a radically different operating system, a different language. And I was so mad at Rich. I was so mad at him, because I'm going, wait a second, I'm not intuitive. I'm concrete linear. And all this is intuitive. And my finger can do all this instead of the buttons. Oh my gosh, I was so frustrated. It took me months to go from PC to um, Apple. But once I got the hang of it, look, I have no stock in Apple, okay? <laughs> once I got the hang of it, I'm going, oh my gosh, this is easy. Oh, Rich was... Rich was right. <laughs> it's the only time you're hearing that. Anyway. <laughs> so here's the point. Jesus is saying, take the yoke, learn from me. Let me be your rabbi. I almost entitled this, who's your rabbi? But <laughs> when we actually do things his way, it may be uncomfortable on the front end, 
But after a while, not only do we experience really cool things, we learn more about who he really is. Bottom line is, you really can't know and experience Jesus until you obey him. Let, let me experience. Let me you, if you're unsaved, you don't know what it's like to be forgiven. You don't. You don't know what it is to be born again. But the Spirit of God says, look, give up your past, your present, and your future to me. Right? I'll come in and I'll be the boss of you. Right? But that's, that's really not a translation, but you get the idea. Do that. And you go, the Spirit of God's leading you, and you take the step of faith that's actually initiated by the Spirit of God, and you take the step of faith, and you go, <gasps> that's what forgiveness feels like. This is what it, it feels like to actually belong to something larger than myself. <gasps> this is what it's like not to be ruled by my past, by so, but by someone who really loves me. It's like, <gasps> you don't know what it's like to experience the heart and character of Jesus until you take the steps of obedience to him. And Jesus said, look, make me your rabbi. And over time, you, you know what you're going to find? I'm humble and I'm gentle. I am not a slave driver. Now, this next thing is what really got me going. I remember reading this, and uh, in 1128, it said, you know, and I'll give you rest. And then after all this sort of stuff, it says, and you will find rest for your souls. I'm going, wait a second, Jesus, if you gave him rest, you know, come to me, I'll give you rest. Now you're saying that it, if, you, if you're our rabbi, we will find rest. So my brain is going, the first kind of rest is a commodity. It's something Jesus gives us. The second kind of rest is the result of a process. And so again, I started looking it up, and I probably should be better at this, but I just depend on people who know more than me. Okay? The rest there is not a breather. Um, the rest that's being talked about is to cease laboring, to cease striving and it also means the rest you get it's a sustained strength a, a sustained energy that doesn't depend on you and so jesus is sitting there going after a while take my yoke learn from me learn learn to go with me and you will find you will discover you will experience more and more rest for your souls you stop trying too hard you depend on god you depend on his energy you depend on his vitality but wait there's more it's not just that you have a little more energy you get rest for your souls your soul is way different than yours right and your soul is way different than yours the way i'm reading this is look you take my yoke start learning from me you will find energy to live out your life according to how I made you. You'll have energy and vitality to actually pursue who I created you to become. And you'll have the energy and vitality to accomplish the purposes that I've set out for you. You don't have to, you don't have to make it up. God takes it for you. Whatever energy you need, He'll give it to you, and you will find rest for your souls. 
And then Jesus ends with this. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Honestly now, I don't think anybody in this room deep down really believes that's completely true. No. Why? Jesus' words are usually not comfortable. They often cut our nature, you know, against our nature, our best plans, our idea of a successful us. Cuts against your idea of what you're called to do. So many people in the Bible, they're just living their lives and then God invades and said, hey, listen, I think you're going to be a spokesman. And Moses goes, but I stutter. Surely you've made a mistake. Or God tells a, a guy, look, you're, you're going to be a prophet to the nations. Wait a second. I'm just a kid. It's just amazing, amazing that many of the things that God calls us to do. Here, I'm just going to have fun. All right. You, you can edit this out and we'll have plausible deniability. Right. It's like, you know, husbands, lay down your life for your wives. Right. Serve them, you know. And guys are going, well, I would, but my wife is starting to go to work on, on a broom. <laughs> this, this is sort of hard, you know. This is all metaphor, just trying to make a point. Or, you know, the Bible says, hey, ladies, figure out how to help this guy be a, be a success. Submit to him. You know, not be his slave. Only Jesus has the ownership papers on your life. But say, how do you make him, his life, a success, right? Yeah, whatever his call is, his, his job is to lay his life down to invest in you. You know, that's his job. You do your job. And go, wait a second. Mm, you know, I'm just, I got just so many things going on. He's, he's such a resourceful guy. He can do all that. You know, I, I really believe in him. No, 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 he needs you, right? Or here's the other one. You know, I know he loves God. He's probably going to heaven, but he's a bump on the log. I'm spiritually superior to him. And you want me to submit to a guy who does not know the Scripture the way I do? I mean, it's just really amazing. Have you ever noticed that Scripture many times goes against our best ideas? Right? His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Only after we walk with it for a while. And then we go, oh, I was made for this. I may not be a great husband, but I'm on my way. Or, man, I made vows that I would never be a mother. If I had a mother, I would just sort of, here, you take them, you know, that kind of thing. But, oh, my gosh, you made, oh, God, I take the yoke, and I know I'll have rest for my soul, and you'll give me the energy to start walking that out, and little by little going, oh, my gosh, I was made for this. That's how it is. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. I think we all love God, but God's love language is just a little different than ours. In 1 John chapter, three, uh, chapter 5, verse 3, it says, Now this is love for God, to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. I'm sorry, I don't think we really believe that. Forgive our enemies. Uh, you know, uh, look past, you know, you know, cultural distinctions and see who God made someone to be. Mm, I don't think so. Or, 
there's so many things that for us, like, they're really hard. But when we love God and we have our best opinion, we go, all right, God, this is what you want, I'll do it. There's some benefits to yielding to God. Here's just one, okay? Let's say you go, well, I go to church because my wife says, come on, you go to church or I'm not going to be kissing you, you know, that kind of thing. And you know, just come to church and all that, and it would just be meaningful, and you're sitting there going, all right, I'll go to church and I'll try really to be good and supportive and all. And then after a while, the guy goes, look, I'm about as saved as an Easter egg. Now, I just, I don't know anything about this Jesus, but the song's good and the food is pretty good and all that sort of stuff, right? And then you go, well, maybe one of these days I'll give my life to Jesus, you know, but I'm not, I'm not ready yet. And then you walk out and you get hit by a bus. And then you're dead. And then you're in hell forever. That's a burden. <laughs> no, that's a burden. The, you know, Christianity is not a social club. It's like heaven and hell, you know. Um, can, can you imagine, please don't imagine it too much, but being in hell, going, now this is a burden. It might have been uncomfortable for me to give my life. Or I know I'm, I'm way outside God's will. I know I'm his son. I know I'd go to heaven. Uh, and I know that my, my jacuzzi would become a birdbath. You know, I, I, there are not many rewards when I go there. Yeah. And God's going, look, you can stay where you're at or you can come on home. I'll give you a reset do-over. I'll give you new clothes. And you can learn from where you've been so I can propel you into your future. That's a hard transition. That's a burden, but it's better than the burden of just staying where, you're, where you are. So now, application. How do you know if you're wearing his yoke? If you get all religious, you'll go, well, I carry the yoke of the Lord and, you know... I, and I'm doing everything I can to fulfill everything he wants me to do. I said, good luck with that. That, that young ox is not trying to do everything all at once so he can be like the big ox. When the big ox goes like that, the young ox, the young ox doesn't go like this. He goes with it. This is how you know you have the yoke of the Lord. clear teaching of scripture and, and whatever reason you have to either overlook it or resist it. If you try really hard to get rid of this stuff, good luck. What you can do is say, God, I know this is what you say and I know this is what I say. I yield. I surrender this. Oh God, would you teach me your ways? Oh, God, will you teach me your ways? And if you just lean into that, guess what? He'll, of course, forgive you. But then, over time, guess what? This thing is not nearly as important as this thing. Your opinion, the opinion of culture, the opinion of all these teachings, they're, they're important, but when they conflict with God's will for your life, you go, I yield. I yield. The yoke of the Lord doesn't make you a superman or a woman. 
the yoke of the Lord makes you teachable, makes you leadable. And when you, when you keep on making those decisions, I yield, Lord, I yield. He'll, he'll, he'll bring you a step further to experiencing who God created you to be. He'll bring you a little further down the road to fulfill God's promises in your life. So this is not one big altar call, come up and give your life to Jesus. Um, assuming that you have. The real issue is, how do you walk it out? And Jesus is going, come to me, take my yoke upon you, and learn from me. Some of us have ideas and ideologies that are very different than God's. Very different, and you know it. This would be a good time to say, Lord, I, I take your yoke. Teach me your ways. I'd rather be, I'd rather my brain be washed by the Lord than washed by the world. Some of you know you're called to something, but you don't know what it is. You know, sometimes you just got to take a step and say, Lord, yes, here I am. Send me. And then God will help you take next steps. This is a great church. But God is not wanting just to bless you or release you and all that. There's a measure of yokedness here. But God's just sort of saying, look, foundationally, Jesus is saying, come to me. I'll figure out all, all the burdens later, but come to me so I can refresh you. But God's really after, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You'll find that I'm gentle, I'm humble, I'm really smart, and I know what I'm doing. And you will find energy. You will find stability. You will find purpose for your souls. So Lord, we don't have to do anything. We just have to transact with you. Lord, we hear it. You are speaking directly to our hearts, many of us, and we're not condemned. We choose to take your yoke upon us. We choose to serve you, and we choose to allow you to start teaching us how to think and act, manage our emotions, even how to see things from a kingdom perspective. God, we want, we want to gather information, but we want to be taught by you. Again, God, would you, would, would you accept our application? Uh, be our rabbi. Not just in the big picture, but in those little pictures, the little areas that count. Because um, we know that when you teach us, we will experience more and more of who you are who we are, and why we're here on planet Earth. Amen.